Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus. If you don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor of the church in Belmont, and it's great to talk to you again. All of us have experienced tragedy in life, and we experience it on a personal level, and we also experience it on a corporate level. So the question is, how do we respond to it? At Mount Hope, we're in the middle of a series on books of the minor prophets. And this week we talked about the book of Joel. And in that book, the people are responding to a very difficult corporate tragedy. And as we watch them respond, we learn something about what we should do. I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you'll listen closely, because I believe that God has something He would like to say to you. I want to just, as we begin, I want to read you a couple verses out of the book of Joel, and they're not going to be on the screen. We're going to keep them off the screen. I just want you to listen to these verses as we start. They're in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, and then we're going to come back to them in a minute and talk through them a little bit. Let's just listen and hear God's word together. This is what the prophet Joel writes, Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent? And leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. My son Jackson is three years old. And he's at the point in his life where he really, really doesn't like when we tell him no. None of us like when we're told no in our lives, but this is really a production anytime uh, he's told no. And we know it's coming. And sometimes I think he asks for ridiculous things just so, he, just so we'll say no and he can fly into his uh, theatrics. There's a lot of crying, a lot of screaming, a lot of throwing himself on the floor. You know what this looks like, right? And I, and I, I don't know how to, how to stop it because he sets me up. He sets me up and, and he asks me questions that he knows the answer is no to. Uh, can I have the iPad when he first wakes up? The answer, he knows the answer is no. He can't have the iPad when he first wakes up at six in the morning. That's, that's a rule. But he'll ask it anyway. And I think part of the reason he asks it is because uh, he wants to react to the tragedy of not getting the iPad. And so everything's a perceived tragedy. He'll say, can I have the iPad? And it's I roll over and it's 5.50 in the morning. I'll say, no, you can't have the iPad. Just lay down and keep sleeping. And then there's screaming and crying and throwing himself on the floor. Floor and we'll go down to breakfast, and I'll say, what, what do you feel like for breakfast? And he'll say, cupcakes. And I'll say, you can't have cupcakes for breakfast. And then we just run through the whole routine again, right? Everything, every time that it happens, it's just a giant perceived tragedy and disaster to him, and there's a reaction that he has to that. Let me ask you this this morning. When you experience difficulty in your life, when you experienced tragedy, how do you react? What do you do? How do you respond? I think uh, if you're like me, you probably feel like this. It seems like lately 
we have experienced way too much tragedy corporately, doesn't it? It just seems like every time you turn on the news, whether it's worldwide or whether it's specific to our country or our neighborhoods, there's just too much of this happening. And it's not perceived tragedy, not like uh, my son. It's not perceived tragedy. It's real tragedy. And there just feels like there's too much of it recently, both corporately and personally. And, and all of us have a response to that. All of us have a way that we react to things like that happening. And... There's really one of two things, I think, that happens. One thing that happens is that a corporate tragedy or something bad happening, it could be one of the hurricanes that have, have, have hit uh, this part of the world recently. It could be one of the mass shootings that's taken place most recently in a church last Sunday in Texas. It could be any of these corporate things that happen that affect us all in some way. I think that those sorts of events, for almost all of us, cause us to rethink something about who God is. I think for many people in our world, even for the atheist in our world, to the person that's the, that's the deepest believer, when we experience corporate tragedy, it's an opportunity and it, it causes us to think about who God is or who God might be. And for some of us, that causes us to run from God, doesn't it? So when the bad thing happens and the tragedy occurs, it causes us to run away from God, to say, see, I told you so. Uh, to, to say we have this idea in our mind that if God existed, this is the premise, if God exists as we think he does, and he's good and all-powerful, then bad things will never happen. So when the bad things happen, it's just more evidence that God doesn't exist. That's how many of us, that's how some of us might respond to tragedy, is to run from God. In fact, I read a few articles this week in the Huffington Post, specifically, where uh, the almost, I would say, gleeful tone of posting tweets about the church shooting last week and saying, see, prayer doesn't work. So don't send this church your thoughts and prayers. They were already praying. Look what happened. And there is certainly a segment of our world that that's how we respond to tragedy is we run from God. But I would suggest to you this morning that for many of us, even some of us that don't often count ourselves as religious people, when tragedy occurs and bad things happen, it could be corporately or it could be personally, it causes us to, at least for a moment, uh, run to places that we wouldn't normally go, to consider God in ways that we normally don't consider him. And so whether we don't usually follow God with our lives or whether we are, are real believers in, who, in, in the God of the Bible, when tragedy happens corporately and personally, it's, it, most of us, many of us, end up running in some way to God. It's hard to believe that this was over 16 years ago because I remember it like it was yesterday. And if you're old enough in the room, I'm sure that you do as well. I was in my senior year of college, and I had a senior seminar that met from 7.45 in the morning until 9.15 in the morning, and this was Central Standard Time, so add an hour to that to get to Eastern Standard Time. We were sitting in our class, and this was before smartphones, so something was happening in the world, and all of us were blissfully under, unaware as we sat in our class. 
But I remember the class getting out at 9.15, where I was, 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. And normally a classroom building would be very uh, quiet, I guess, at that time on a Thursday morning. But today it was very busy and there was a lot of talk. And someone said to us that we're walking out of class and had no idea what was going on. A plane has hit the World Trade Center. And I remember walking down to the lobby of our classroom building, and there was a big bank of televisions that always had the news channels on. And by the time I got there, I had learned that it wasn't just one, it was two. And like you, I spent the rest of the day watching tragedy unfold. It wasn't that long ago that those of us living in and around the city of Boston did the same thing again on Patriots Day as we learned of what was happening down at the finish line of the marathon, and then we spent the rest of our day watching the events of that tragedy unfold. And something happens when things happen like that, and it happens corporately, but it also happens personally. We talked about this last week for for myself and our family and our extended family. We've had two very difficult deaths over the last couple of weeks. And you've gone through times in that, like that in your life where there's just tragedy and loss and you're trying to deal with that. And I think that when we walk through corporate tragedy and personal tragedy, we often have a similar response. And that is, for at least a brief moment, we are willing to run to God And try to see if there's an answer there. We're looking to know that everything is going to be okay. We're looking to find some sense of of light in the darkness. We're looking to find some sense of hope in the middle of despair. We're looking to find some sort of peace in the midst of the chaos. And so we're, we're willing to at least briefly run to God and see what he might have to say. And many of you remember that the Sunday after 9 11, churches were packed. I mean, not just full, packed. I was reading this week, Ed Young uh, Jr., who's down in Houston, said their church had over 20,000 people the Sunday after 9-11, and they've never come, come close to that number since. You may remember the images of the Sunday after the marathon bombing where Cardinal Sean O'Malley stood in that massive cathedral down in Boston and spoke to a crowd of thousands of standing room only. There's just something about these things happening that causes many of us to run to God in that moment. And this morning, I want us to think briefly with each other about that response and about how we go about it. Some of us run from God in those moments, but many of us run to God in those moments. And I want us to think about that response because what's happening here in the book of Joel in these verses that we've just read is that the people that Joel are speaking to have just experienced great corporate tragedy. What happened is a swarm of locusts came in and completely destroyed the land. And That doesn't sound terrible on the surface, but I don't know if you've ever really seen what a swarm of locusts truly looks like. This is southern Russia in 2015, where locusts came in and destroyed hundreds of thousands of acres of crops and did great devastation. When a swarm of locusts comes in, it's not something that is 
is easy to deal with. In fact, if you're a culture that deals on agriculture and you think of people living in the ancient world that would have only had the food that they grew for, to sustain themselves, a swarm of locusts coming in and destroying all of that in a moment is truly disaster. In fact, I was reading this week that a swarm of locusts can easily destroy the same amount that 15 million people would eat in a single day. So the amount of crops that that 15 million people would consume, locusts can destroy that in a day. And so think about this ancient world. They couldn't do any importing, exporting around the world. There was no other place for them to go and restore these losses. And so this is truly devastation and truly disaster. And in this moment, they too have a response to God. And their response, just like many of us, is to run to God. But here's the challenge. Is that there is a way we can run to God that causes God to respond to us and welcome us in. And there is a way that we can run to God that actually causes God to distance himself from us. I want you to hear that because that's really the crux of what we're talking about this morning. There's a way we can run to God that actually causes God to pull back from us. And the people in the book of Joel, they experience tragedy and they go running to God. But what we're going to learn is they do it in a way that causes God to actually pull back from them. The first thing I want us to understand as we get into these verses is that God wants us to run to him. That's a good response. I don't want to couch this and miss the, I want to talk about this and and say it as if it's a bad response for us to run to God when we're hurting. That's a good response. In fact, if you look at that first verse we read, verse 12, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. God wants us to come to him. God wants us to return to him. If you were with us last week, we talked through the book of Hosea. And the thing that becomes clear in the book of Hosea is that God has an unconditional love for you. A deep desire for relationship with you. And so when we experience difficulty and tragedy in our life and we run to God, that is a good response. That is a good thing we're doing. And that is something that God desires and that God wants to have happen. But the way we do that, the way we go about running to God, can have a big impact on whether we find the hope and the peace and the solace that we're looking for or whether we find that just as empty as anything else that we would do. So what's the difference? What causes one one running to God to be something that satisfies our souls and another running to God to be something that actually distances ourselves from God? Well, The way Joel says it here, and this is God speaking to the people through Joel, is he says it right here in verse 13. He says, come to me, return to me, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Well, what does that mean? Rend is probably not a term that you use in your daily life. Um, If you do, you're probably confusing people. So what does that word mean, that word rend? What does that mean to rend your hearts and not your garments? 
Well, listen, the, the Jewish people had a tradition, a religious tradition. And it actually was a good tradition because it's a tradition that God put in place. As you know, the Jewish people are God's chosen people. God has a special relationship with them in the Old Testament, and even now today, a special relationship with his people. And he put something in place that they were continuing to do as they returned to God. And that is whenever the Jewish people were under extreme distress, whenever they were under extreme circumstances, they would, in a show of mourning and a show of of longing to be reconnected with God, literally tear their garments or tear their clothes. It was a, a religious expression of what they were experiencing internally. And so they come to God in this moment having experienced great tragedy and great disaster, having had the land wiped out, having all the crops destroyed, and their response is to run towards God and tear their garments just like they have in the past. But God's not happy with it. Why? The people responded with something that God wasn't looking for. And I would suggest to you this morning that this is how most of us respond to God. When the people were facing a difficult time and looking to God for answers, they responded to God the way that they knew how, which was with more ritual and more religion. They thought to themselves, okay, so bad things are happening. We should probably return to God so that good things start happening again. We need to return to God so that we feel better about this whole situation. And so they did. And they did everything they knew how to do. They showed up to the service. They ripped their garments like everyone's supposed to do. They, they said the prayer that everyone's supposed to pray. They, they did the activity that everyone was supposed to do. And then they left and went home. And God said, that's not what I'm looking for at all. And it's not unlike the way you and I respond. I think that for many of us, when we walk through personal tragedy and we walk through corporate tragedy, we say, all right, we got to figure this out. We got to get ourselves right with God. We got to figure out what God has to say about this. So what do we do? Well, we should probably go to church and we should probably go to the special service and we should probably start reading our Bible again. We haven't done that in a while. And we should probably dress up nicer maybe when we go to church and we should maybe start doing more important things in our house. Maybe we'll take down the photograph and we'll replace it with a Bible verse and we'll just kind of religion the place up a little bit. And if we can just participate in all the right things and, and do all the right things, then, then this tragedy will go away and we'll feel better about ourselves and everything will, will come back in order. The challenge that we have is that's not what God is looking for at all. God no more wants our religion and our ritual than you want it in your relationships. God no more wants religion and ritual than you want it in your relationship with your spouse or with your closest friends or with your family. Maybe you know what it's like to be a part of a family reunion where everyone has to show up and everyone has to be there. No one really wants to be there. You ever have one of those family get-togethers? Are those life-giving? Are those beautiful things? No, everyone's only there because they feel like they're supposed to be there. No one wants to be in a relationship. You don't want to date somebody. You don't want to be married to somebody. You don't want to be seeing somebody who, who says, listen, I, I, I care about you. I want you to know I care about you. That's why I, I'm here, all right? I'm, I'm physically present. 
Uh, I bought you these flowers. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to get you a gift on your birthday. So you know I care about you. None of us want that in our relationships. Relationship are, relationships are not built. True relationships are not built on ritual or religion. And we know that feeling. You know what religion looks like? Religion looks like uh, the old mobster movies where a mobster is about to go do something terrible but goes to confession first <laughs> and, and feels like because they went into, into confession and, and said, said a prayer that whatever is about to happen is okay. That's what religion looks like. And God's not interested in that any more than you're interested in it in your relationships. And so God says to the people, don't come to me and just tear your clothes if you don't mean it. Don't come to me and put on this giant show of we're here and we care about you and this is really important to us if you don't really mean it. I would much rather your hearts get ripped open than that you just come and participate in the ritual you've always participated in because God in our response to him is so much more interested in our hearts and in our repentance than he is our ritual and our religion. In fact, that's what God is calling the people to. This tragedy that the people are experiencing, this difficulty they're going through, God says, return to me. And this is an opportunity for you to return to me with your whole heart and come to me in repentance and relationship. But the people come to him with just ritual and religion. And so my question for you this morning would be, how are you here today? Why are you here today? Is this routine? Do you think that God has a giant poster board in heaven with squares on it? And your name is on the left-hand side, and then there's all the, the Sundays in the year up top? And that he's looking and he has gold stickers. And every time he sees that you are here on, on this day, he puts a gold sticker on the chart. Is that why we're here this morning? Is that why we're gathered this morning is to check the box and to say to God, listen, we showed up. We did the thing that we were supposed to do. We, we, we dressed up nice. We, we got the kids to behave and we all got to church this morning. Is that why we're here? Or are we here because we desire an encounter with God himself? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And if we desire an encounter with God himself, if what we desire is relationship with God, then we have to come to him, not in ritual, but in repentance. What does that look like? We could talk through all sorts of different steps of repentance. But I think Jesus gives us the clearest picture of what the difference is between being religious and being truly repentant and desiring relationship with God. Jesus tells a story. He tells a story to his followers, and he says this. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9, this is what he says. It says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, Jesus said, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, in case... Uh, you, you don't know, the Pharisees were the super uber religious people. They were the good people. And tax collectors were the lowest of the low. 
And so Jesus says, one was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. One was a super religious guy and the other person was not so much. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. Twice a week I fast, I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I think Jesus gives us the clearest picture of what true repentance looks like. Repentance looks like us coming to God in humility, recognizing that he is God and we are not. Recognizing that he is perfect and we are not. Repentance is something that interrupts your daily life. If you are truly living a relationship with God and you are truly repentant before him so that you can enter into that relationship, that will mess up your daily life. It will change how you live your daily life. Religion changes nothing about daily life. Because religion is something you can walk into a building and do and perform the ritual and then go out and do whatever you want. That's religion. But what God desires, repentance and relationship, is something that affects every area of our life. And the question is this morning, why should we do this? Why should you do it? Why should you come before God this morning and say, God, I don't want to just participate in some sort of ritual. I don't want to just check boxes off with my life. I want to have a true relationship with you. Why should you do it? For two reasons. And they're given here in the book of Joel. And the first reason is because of who God is. We learn this right here in verse 13. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. The first reason we should do this, that we should go to God, that we should build this relationship with him, that we should come in repentance is because of who he is. He loves you and desires relationship with you. When you are walking through the most difficult points of your life, you're walking through corporate and personal tragedy, a relationship with God is the only place that you will find ultimate hope and ultimate peace and ultimate satisfaction for your soul. Everything else will be ritual. It's why when you're searching for, for satisfaction in your soul and you're searching for answers to bad things, you go to church, you do the religious thing, you show up, you go out to breakfast, you go home and you watch television and you kind of eventually realize that you could actually just skip the, part, the church part, go out to eat, go home and watch television, you'll kind of feel the same way, that eventually everything will get better. Because all you're doing is participating in religion, but you're missing out on the relationship with God that will ultimately satisfy your soul. So the first reason we should do this is because of who God is, but here's the second reason why we should do it. Because it assures us, it assures us of our salvation. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent, Joel says. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent? And leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Here's where the Old Testament and the New Testament are very different. You know, there's two parts to your Bible. 
There's an Old Testament before Jesus came and there's a New Testament after he came. This is where the Old and the New Testament are very different. Joel's saying, listen, we'll return with, with, with repentance and we'll return in relationship to God. And who knows? God might have mercy on us and forgive us. But oh, because of Jesus Christ, things are very different today. In fact, if you were to go to Joel chapter 2, verse 32, he gives us a picture forward of what this day is going to be that you and I live in. He says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It shall come to pass. One day it will come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you were to flip in your Bible over into the New Testament into Romans chapter 10, Paul, the Apostle Paul, quotes that very verse. Because in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, that day is here. And this is how Paul says it. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him for, and here's what Joel says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know why you're here this morning. I don't know if you're here just to check a box and feel better because you came to church today. God has a whole lot more for you than that. It's so easy for us to slip into ritual and routine. So easy for us to fall back into that. All right, I'm just trying to keep God happy. So I'm going to try to do the right thing. I'm going to say the right prayers. I'm going to go to the right place. I'm going to look a certain way. I'm going to do certain things so that God's happy with me. God wants so much more with you than that. God wants a living, dynamic relationship with you. Religion is static and, and, and uh, has no personal nature to it. A relationship is personal and dynamic, and that's what God wants with you. And so many of us miss it because we get all wrapped up in ritual and routine and religion. And we think that that's what it is. For many of us, we may have had a point in our life where we have in the past had a living dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ, but it has gone from a relationship back into something that's just religious for us. We're going through the motions, we're walking through, through the things, we're, we're doing the things we feel like we're supposed to be doing, but the relationship aspect has left. And today might be a day that we would come back before God, that we would return to him, that we would run to him, that we would say, God, I want everything that you have for me, that we would repent in front of him, that we would respond in the same humility the tax collector got, does, have mercy on me, God, a sinner, and that we would experience what it looks like to have a relationship with him. We should run to God with repentance, Amen. not religion. And I bet there's some of us in the room that have never done it before, even though we've sat in church our whole lives. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we prepare to close this morning. And as they come, I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. Where in your understanding of God... Where in your journey with God 
has this become much more about routine and ritual than it does about repentance and relationship? When's the last time you came before God and were truly sorry and broken over the way you have walked away from him? I know for me, in my own walk with God, in my own journey with him, there have ended up being long periods of my life longer than I would want to admit where I came before God and was truly sorry and broken over who I am and how I've walked away from him. I know how to play the game. I've been in church a long time. You know how to play the game too, I bet. But God's not interested in that. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. This morning we're going to do two things as we close. One thing is I'm going to invite, I'm going to open up these altars this morning. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling like this is, this is you. You're saying to yourself, listen, it's been a long time since I've actually had a real encounter with God. Maybe you're sitting in this morning and you would say, I've been in church before. I don't know that I've ever had a real encounter with God. I would invite you this morning to do something that might sound really bold and might take a lot of courage. And that would be to come and kneel before him this morning and ask God that, to, that, that you would experience everything that he has for you. And you would come before this God this morning broken and sorry for who you are and all the ways you've walked away from him and allow God to come and do the work in, his heart, in your heart that only he can do. Our elders, Bill and Karen Sullivan, are going to be in the back as well, and my wife Lori and I will be back there too. If you want us to pray with you this morning, come back while we're singing. Whatever it is that you need prayer for, we'll pray for you. But let's respond to God this morning. In the late 1990s, a songwriter by the name of Matt Redman was in his church. And he was the leader of all the music. Maybe you know that name, Matt Redman. He's released a lot of CDs and sold a lot of songs. And his pastor did something that was, that was bold. Pastor got up one Sunday and said, I'm sick of all of us coming into worship and just watching it take place. I'm tired of all of us just coming here and sitting in the room and just watching everything happen, but none of us participating. So he said to his Grammy-winning worship leader and the whole team, we're done with the music. When we come in on Sunday mornings, there's no microphones, there's no instruments. It's just someone on the stage leading the congregation in worship and everybody's gonna worship and everyone's gonna participate. That's why we're here. We're not here to participate in a ritual. We're not here to check off boxes. Well, I'm not interested in that and neither is God. And so Matt Redman, who's extremely gifted songwriter and musician and lead, worship leader, had to put all that aside. And out of those weeks, he wrote the song that we're going to sing together. A song reminding us about what it's really all about. A song reminding us that we are here pursuing a relationship with the living God. 
My prayer as we sing these words is that you'll allow them to penetrate your heart. You'll come and spend some time before God. You'll come and let us pray with you. So God, in these moments, we give you this time. Would your spirit move among us? Would you do the work that only you can do? Would you break our hearts? For many of us, God, it's been a long time since our hearts have truly been broken over who we are. It's been a long time since we've really come before you in true repentance. God, would you move among us this morning? In Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont Campus. At Mount Hope, we gather each week to learn more about God, grow in our love of God and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts area, we'd love to have you join us. We meet Sunday mornings in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Sunday mornings in Belmont at 10 a.m. You can find out more about us at our website, www.mounthope.org. Have a good day, and we'll see you back here next week. Week.